With over 160 on-screen appearances, Count Dracula is the most adapted and one of the most popular movie characters of all time. Chances are, if you ask anyone to describe what he looks like, they will all return with very similar descriptions, even if the person has never seen a Dracula movie before. Whilst the on-screen look of Dracula with his slick black hair, immaculate suit and enchanting piercing eyes was coined by Bela Lugosi in Todd Browning's Universal Adaptation in 1931, for me, Dracula was truly defined some 27 years later when Hammer Studios cast the lesser-known Christopher Lee in the role. Lee would go on to play Dracula a further eight times, more than any other actor in movie history. Of all nine appearances in the role, only 1970's Count Dracula would be advertised as the most faithful adaptation of the Stoker novel. Hi, I'm Duncan McLeish and you're listening to Chronicle Podcast, an almanac of old world horrors. Ignition. T minus 10. Welcome back to Chronicle Podcast, an almanac of old world horrors. I'm your host Duncan McLeish and this is episode number four of season one of the show. In this episode we are looking at the vampirism subgenre of horror within European cinema. Last episode we looked at Black Sunday and on this episode we are looking at Count Dracula from 1970. If this is your first time listening to Chronicle Podcast, please go back and listen to our debut episode. It sets the stage for what's to come on season one. Can I thank everyone who checked out episode number three and left me all the kind words of support and feedback on the Facebook group. Our group page may only be small in numbers, but the voices of the members who are there are loud and passionate about horror cinema, and I am immensely proud to be able to give you the content every two weeks. To join the Facebook group page and show your support, please head over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash conical podcast. We are just past the halfway mark for season one of the show, but still have some fantastic movies yet to cover. And as I stated at the top of this episode, this podcast is dedicated solely to European horror cinema, and this season focused exclusively on the vampirism subgenre. Our last two episodes of the season will cover, firstly, my wildcard pick of the season and Philip Ridley's arthouse cult movie, The Reflecting Skin, and we will close out this season one on our final episode with the Swedish masterpiece, Let the Right One In. So let's continue our journey into a Dracula adaptation from one of history's greatest exploitation directors. Jess Franco was known for his erotica and low-budget exploitative movies, yet somehow managed to pull off an adaptation which is neither exploitative or overtly sexual. You're listening to Chronicle Podcast. Stay with us. 
Jonathan Harker, played by Fred Williams, is a young lawyer who is travelling from London to Transylvania in order to secure a property for his client, Count Dracula, played by Christopher Lee. During the journey, he stops overnight at an inn in Bit Streets. During his stay there, he is warned by a woman not to continue his journey the following day, but is dismissed by Harker who believes her to be overly superstitious. Harker continues his journey the following day and arrives at Borgo Pass, at which time he is met by a mysterious coachman who is working on behalf of the Count. With Harker in tow, the coachman continues his journey to Castle Dracula. When they arrive, Harker disembarks from the coach and the coachman immediately rushes off. Harker is left alone and wanders to the main door of the castle and is met by an old Count Dracula who advises him to enter freely and of your own free will. Harker accepts the Count's offer and is alarmed when he arrives in his bedroom and notices that the Count casts no reflection in the bedroom mirror. We cut to later that night when Harker is asleep and he awakes to find himself in an old crypt-like area where three beautiful vampiresses attempt to seduce him, but he is apparently rescued when Dracula enters the room angrily, warding them away from Harker, shouting, This man belongs to me. Harker is appalled to see that Dracula offers the vampiresses a live baby to feed on. He wakes suddenly, assuming that he had dreamt a horrible account of what had happened the night before, but we find that he has two small wounds on his neck. By now he realises that he is a Count's prisoner, and in an act of sheer desperation climbs out of the window and tries to escape, but unfortunately finds himself stumbling across the crypt from the night before, containing Dracula and the three vampiresses. In a last-ditched effort to escape, he jumps out the castle tower and into the river below. Harker is not dead, however. He awakes in a psychiatric hospital just outside London, owned by Van Helsing, played by Herbert Lom, and in the care of Dr Seward, played by Paul Muller. He is advised that he was found near death at a river in Budapest and in a delirious state. This is laughed off by the professional staff until Van Helsing finds bite marks on his neck. Harker's fiancée, Mina, played by Maria Rom, and her friend Lucy, played by Soldad Miranda, come to the hospital to look after him. Meanwhile, Count Dracula has made his way to England and has taken up refuge at a nearby abandoned abbey. As Mina continues to aid Harker's recovery, she notices that Lucy's health is now failing. No one is aware that Dracula has been appearing each night to feed on her, with the bizarre result of growing younger each time he feeds. As Lucy's health continues to fail, her fiancé, Quincy, played by Jack Taylor, offers a blood transfusion which is administered by Van Helsing and Dr Seward. In the meantime, a patient called Renfield, played by Klaus Kinski, is becoming a person of interest to Van Helsing. Renfield is in the hospital suffering from a rare condition which sees him eat flies and insects in the belief that in doing so, each time a life is consumed, it will add to his own life. Renfield's behaviour becomes ever more erratic whenever Dracula is nearby. 
Lucy eventually dies and she returns from the dead at night to murder a young child and is eventually laid to rest when Quincy, Van Helsing and Seward drive a stake into her heart and decapitate her body outside her crypt. At this time Harker is now back to full health and with the doctors and Quincy in tow they begin their search for Count Dracula assuming that he is behind what has befallen Lucy. Dracula has already started making new plans to move against Mina. During the search Van Helsing suffers a stroke which confines him to a wheelchair. Van Helsing stays to guard Mina and when Count Dracula appears to claim Mina for himself the two meet finally for the first time. Dracula mocks Van Helsing and attempts to grab Mina but is warded off when Van Helsing sets fire to the wooden floor in the shape of a cross. By the time Harker and Stuart have found Dracula's temporary home in the abandoned abbey, he has already fled back to his castle in Transylvania. He is travelling under the guard of some gypsies. Our two heroes come across the party and defeat the gypsies just before setting fire to the Count's coffin. It is during the daylight hours and Dracula is unable to come out of the coffin and instead is trapped in there where he burns to death. Jesus Franco's Count Dracula is quite possibly one of the more faithful adaptations to the original Stoker source material, but this doesn't necessarily make it one of the best adaptations overall. Point of fact, this movie isn't as beloved by me as some of the movies already covered on this season, and some of the movies still yet to come. So why is it on the list? The answer to this is very simple and it lies with the parties involved in the creation of the movie. Harry Allen Towers was a producer of the movie and was a collaborator of sorts with Jess Franco throughout the 1960s and 70s. Towers had a long career in the film industry and worked on many different projects including a five movie run with Christopher Lee in the Fu Manchu movies starting in 1965. This could be how Lee was drawn to the project. Christopher Lee, whom we will cover in more detail in a later series of Chronicle, had been disenfranchised with the severe typecasting that had befallen him during his stint as Dracula in the Hammer horror adaptation and the many sequels that followed. He had vowed not to undertake this role again but somehow found himself in this Spanish film playing his career-defining role again. On some level I imagine that the chance to undertake this role again with the promise of it being more true to the source material was probably the thing that sealed the deal and justified to himself his return to the role. He would only play Dracula a few more times after this. Once in a comedy feature called One More Time from 1970 and that was in a cameo. In Dracula AD 1972 and the Satanic Rites of Dracula in 1973, the final two appearances as Lee as Dracula for these Hammer Horror movies, and finally the last movie, a strange experimental movie called Vampire Kodoku, which was shot just after the Franco movie and was set with both Lee and Herbert Lom in the cast. This movie is worth tracking down for sure as Lee plays both himself and Dracula and is mostly dialogueless minus the end of the movie which is Lee himself reading from the Bram Stoker novel. 
The movie is entirely shot in black and white and it emulates the greater earlier vampire movies of Marnow and Dreher, covered in episodes 1 and 2 of Chronicle. Klaus Kinski is a wonderfully underused presence as Renfield in this movie. Kinski is a name that will always be associated with the greater works of Werner Herzog, and his private life and onset antics were the thing of infamy. In less than a decade, Kinski would find himself cast as Dracula in the Herzog remake of Nosferatu in Nosferatu the Vampire from 1979. And I cannot recommend this movie enough. Not only is it delight to the eyes, but one of the best horror remakes of all time. Some could argue that it's better than the original, but I will leave that to you to decide. As of its director, Jess Franco, IMDb lists his official movie count as director at 203, but I would not be surprised if the director went on to direct many more movies under other aliases. Franco was a tireless filmmaker who would regularly direct in excess of three movies a year, mostly all with limited resources and even smaller budgets. A lot of these movies are not very good and that might be a kinder way of saying that quality over quantity was not a work ethic that he would adhere to. He would work with Lee on a few of the aforementioned Fu Manchu movies prior to Count Dracula. Franco is one of the few directors with more than one movie on the infamous video nasty list. In fact, the director had three. Woman Behind Bars from 1975, Devil Hunter from 1980, and Bloody Moon from 1981. Count Dracula stands as somewhat of an oddity to me. It's certainly shot on a limited budget, as most of Franco's work was, but this restrained, more classical effort overall is somewhat of a head-scratcher to come from this director. He would make a sequel of sorts called Vampiros Lesbos, the following year, which is far more in keeping with his body of work and certainly feels like much more of a Franco vampire movie to me than Count Dracula does. I'd recommend the viewing of Vampiros Lesbos because it's actually quite a fun little movie. Count Dracula as a movie is one that is worth checking out if you are a Dracula aficionado like myself. Um, it's certainly not one of the better movies, but like the poster and tagline said at the time, it certainly is one that is more in keeping with the, the original Stoker novel. The casting in the movie is so strangely obtuse, it kind of borders the realms of genius. Kinski's Renfield is an absolute delight to see on screen and originally cast as Van Helsing, Franco wished to have Vincent Price who was unable to do the role due to contractual differences and I think on some level this worked out better for the movie. The casting of Herbert Lom is, uh, is nothing short of genius. He is an actor who is actually quite incredible and his body of work is formidable. I grew up with him watching the Pink Panther movies alongside um, 
the, the great Peter Sellers as uh, <laughs> Charles Dreyfus. And Christopher Lee turns in one of his more convincing performances as Dracula and this the later part of his Dracula career. Franco would find himself moving steadily away from the genre and his later career moving towards a body of work which is easily described as more erotic in nature. He himself will appear on later episodes of Chronicle Podcast. You're listening to Chronicle Podcast. Stay with us. And you've been listening to Chronicle Podcast. This has been Season 1, Episode 4, and we have looked at Jess Franco's Count Dracula from 1970. Like I said at the start of this episode, we only have two episodes left after this, and this Season 1 looking exclusively at vampirism in European horror cinema. In two weeks' time, I will be taking a look at my wild card choice for this season. Every season I will try and pick a movie which is maybe lesser known within the genre. This season I have chosen The Reflecting Skin by Philip Ridley as my choice. It's a somewhat cult movie, um, certainly art house in nature and I can't wait to discuss that movie in two weeks time with you. It's not strictly a vampire movie so I'm kind of cheating but it's my show, so there. And two weeks after that, we will have the finale of season one, and we're going to be looking at a movie which I certainly consider a modern masterpiece of horror cinema in the Swedish adaptation of Let the Right One In. As always, can I thank everyone who supports this podcast, everyone who has been listening, leaving me feedback. All of it has been really kind. I've already started receiving some iTunes feedback and I can't stress enough on every single show that I do that the greatest way to support this show on iTunes is to leave feedback. The more feedback I get over there, certainly if it's of a higher rating, the higher up the iTunes charts the show will go and the more likely other people will check out. A huge thanks to Von Herzog for providing the intro and outro music to Chronicle Podcast and as always a list of all the musicians whose music has been featured in the background of this episode will be listed in the show notes. Go and check out and support their work. The version of this movie used for this review is the Severn Blu-ray version of Count Dracula. Please remember that we have a Facebook group page if you want to leave some feedback or interact with myself you can go across to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash chronicle podcast. Thanks once again to Mr. Bo Ransdell and the Legion Podcast Network where you can check out this show and a multitude of other shows that look at the genre and out with the genre. Uh, This week I would like to recommend the Hail Ming Power Hour podcast. It's a fun and quirky little show that looks at some of your favourite movies from your youth. Um, The two guys over there, Danny and Ricky, are fantastic so go and listen to their show that's the Hail Ming Power Hour over at legionpodcast.com and finally if you want to listen to more of me talk horror 
then you can check out my other show, The Podcast Under The Stairs, over at its website, tputzcast.com, its Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast, or on the Legion Podcast Network at legionpodcast.com. Chronicle Podcast was written, recorded and produced by me for you. Join me in two weeks' time as we look at Philip Ridley's The Reflecting Skin. But until the next time, remember, some beautiful paths can't be discovered without getting lost. This is Duncan McLeish from Chronicle Podcast, an almanac of old world horrors. Until the next time. Ignition. T-minus 10. 9.